into the third installment of the Get Around After Dark. We are now into Saturday morning here, just into Saturday morning, a little bit after midnight here, actually midnight 30, uh, in the uh, the Get Around offices here at the Traverse City Record Eagle. I am your host, Brendan Queeley. Alongside me are my fellow Traverse City Record Eagle sports reporters. We've got James Cook and Brett Summers. Hopefully Brett won't hack into the microphone this time as he did the last time. How you feeling, buddy? I'm sick as a dog, but damn it, we're bringing you this podcast. So We're doing our best. This is take number eight on this podcast. I'll tell you that right now. We've uh, had some difficulties getting started, but we are ready and rolling right now. So we are going to break down Friday night's football action, and there was plenty to go around. Uh, so much that all three of us were actually out of the office on a Friday night, out and covering uh, games. Uh, Brett, you were over at Thurlby Field tonight, and you were watching Traverse City Central lose for the third time this season as they fell to Birmingham Brother Rice. What did you see in that game uh, that, I guess, would say maybe surprised you in the loss? Nothing surprised me, actually. Um, Glad I asked the, the question. The game was uh, entirely all too predictable. Um, it was an exciting game, don't get me wrong, but uh, it was just another case of... Um, Central falling behind early, making a big comeback, taking a lead late. And unfortunately for the Trojans, this time it didn't work out in their favor. Uh, basically, the game went. They got a 3 and out on defense to start the game, marched down on their first drive, took a 7 nothing lead. Great start. Well, Brother Rice scores 23 unanswered. Then Central runs off 23 unanswered of their own to take a 30-23 lead in the fourth quarter. And then Brother Rice scored 21 straight of their own, and the final ended up being 44-36. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Brother Rice is a great team. Um, they're 5-3. and three. They don't play next week, so they should be into the postseason. Coach Eric Sugars acknowledged that fact. But, I mean, at least for me, it's uh, a little disappointing to see uh, Central continue to fight this this rash of well, we fall by behind early, but we know we're good enough. We can catch back up, and we can probably win the game. And, you know, Eric wasn't really buying that tonight. Didn't seem to think it had anything to do with inconsistencies. Just felt like it was that was the natural ebb and flow of the game. It just happened to be big momentum swings rather than a score here or a score there. It just seems to be happening way too often to this team that if they don't at least shore it up a little, a little bit, you know, come playoffs – that's going to be it's going to be that much harder to overcome you know i fully expect them to take care of business at home against cadillac next week that would guarantee the postseason berth for the fourth straight year for central uh but i mean once you're into that field especially when you're looking at potentially playing an undefeated traverse city west in the first round i mean you just can't uh you can't continue to make these mistakes week in and week out 
James, you were out on the road and watching Elk Rabbits taking on undefeated Boyne City. Uh, Boyne City uh, rolled in that game, forty-two to ten. Take me through what you saw there tonight. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think what Boyne City kind of came in. I don't I don't know that they came in necessarily uh, thinking this game was a something that was in the bag, but I think they came in with the definite. They didn't want to show anything to St. Francis. They came out with a, a generic game plan and just said we're just going to run the ball and pound the ball down Elk Rabbit's throats all game. Um, they ended up with 400 rushing yards for the game. I think they only threw for 77, um, and most of that was on a couple plays. Um, and they just – it was, it was a, a, a pretty generic offense, but I just think – like I said, I, I just don't think that they wanted to show St. Francis anything. And uh, so next week is going to be uh, just one massive game against uh, St. Francis. Two eight no teams going up against each other for the the chance to go undefeated, league championship, and Legends divisions of the uh, Northern Michigan Football League, and uh, and a little bit of bragging rights too. And uh, all the Boyne City people that I talked to mentioned that they hadn't been able to play St. Francis in Boyne City for like three years. And the last time they did play St. Francis in Boyne City, they beat them. Um, so they're hoping for the same thing this time around. Well, Boyne City was the last team to beat uh, Traverse City St. Francis in the regular season. That was back in 2014, a uh, stretch of what going on. It's got to be 40 games now for the uh, for the Gladiators now that rattled off there in, in the regular season. Uh, so I would say that Boyne City might have a mental edge possibly over them, uh, over Traverse City St. Francis, knowing that they were the last team to do that? Or, or do you think that Sellers has his crew uh, prepared enough where they're not worried about anything other than what's in front of them? I think kind of both. You know, the Boyne City uh, kids and, and coach that I talked to um, don't seem overconfident, but they also don't seem intimidated by St. Francis, um, which can happen to a lot of teams. Uh, you know, some teams, just the mystique of St. Francis, you they feel they're coming in with a 21 nothing deficit when the kickoff happens. I don't think Boyne's going to encounter that um, on Friday. Um, it's, I mean, it's just going to be a huge turnout in Boyne City. I mean, Boyne City football games are crazy as it is, um, but for St. Francis at home with all this on the line, uh, Boyne's also having a pink-out game uh, and everything, so it, the, the pop and circumstance around this game is just going to be huge. That's going to be two eight no teams going up against each other next week. Tonight, I was out in Central Lake watching two seven and teams go against each other as Onekama battled Central Lake with the Central Lake Trojans coming out on top of in that one forty two to twenty eight. Early on, it looked like it was just going to be a straight slugfest between those two teams. Uh, Central Lake uh, got on the board first, scored. Two plays later, uh, Onekama was on the board. Shortly after that, Central Lake came back, scored again. Just one play after that, uh, the uh, uh, the Portagers uh, had tied things up at 14-14. Ben Acton made probably one of the most incredible runs uh, that I've seen on a high school football field. He broke about every single tackle you could possibly break. I think all eight of the uh, of the Central Lake uh, defenders had touched him at one point or the other. He looked like he was stopped dead in his tracks at the line of scrimmage and somehow busted it out. I think it was a, a 52-yard touchdown. It was just really, really impressive uh, what he did. But unfortunately, that was not enough uh, for the Portagers. Um, the uh, Central Lake 
uh, put up a couple of touchdowns. Uh, he had a just an incredible performance by Skylar Spangler, who had five touchdowns on the night, four of them on the ground, one of them receiving. The kid was just all over the place. Uh, unfortunately, it looked like, and I, he looked like he was fine, but on the final play, uh, or, or the uh, on the game, what turned out to be uh, uh, kind of the insurance touchdown for. Uh, for the Trojans, Spangler busted one in from a uh, just a yard out after the uh, the Trojans had taken up almost I think nine minutes off the clock on their final drive in the fourth quarter. Cramped up pretty badly, but he was able to walk off the field on his own power, so that was good to see. You don't want to see a, a talented athlete like that get get hurt late in the game uh, and certainly late in the season. Uh, that was impressive to watch. I you know you guys both kind of thought that Onekama was going to come in there and. Uh, and, and walk away with the win, or at least uh, put up a little bit more of a fight. I'm not saying that they didn't put up a fight. They, they certainly did. Um, no, Onekama certainly put up a fight. They uh, got within uh, six points at 38, I'm uh, sorry, at 34 to 28. You know, like I said, it, it was a, a really good game between two teams. Central Lake just, they, they were the better team tonight. Uh, but you guys were talking about Onekama uh, possibly coming in there and getting the win. Uh, James is did this surprise you? Yeah, just the way uh, Onekaba had just been steamrolling everybody, and and the fact that that Central Lake hadn't played a team like this yet, we, we, you know, we talked about that earlier in the week, um, that they haven't they haven't faced this kind of juggernaut team, and they've had some some games against pretty solid teams, but not anybody of this caliber. So we were just we were wondering how they would how they would handle this, and apparently they handled it pretty darn well. Yeah, Rob Hickey, the head coach for the Trojans, said that this was an invaluable experience for them, that they were, for the first time this season, they had to play a full four quarters without a running clock and uh, you know, without really just taking it to uh, the opponent. So, Brett, what kind of, you know, looking at the, those two teams, do you think that they both were at a disadvantage coming in, having not really had to play much of a competitive game? I mean, I think that's always, uh, you know, a, a tough thing for teams coming in if you haven't, just because you sort of want to feel the other team out, maybe, or you're hesitant to be aggressive from the start because you're not sure if that aggressiveness may or may not backfire. You know, by the sounds of it, it doesn't really seem like that affected the outcome in this one, especially with how close it was later in the game, 34-28. But it, it could uh, impact what teams want to do coming in, or you might have to shift your game plan, adjust your game plan later um, when maybe you would have normally started out another way. It's hard to say. Back to the Traverse City teams. Uh, you had Traverse City West lock up the Big North Conference title tonight with mm-hmm. a 42-0 to zero win over Gaylord. Uh, pretty much just took it to him there. But for the first time this season, uh, the Titans were held scoreless in the first quarter. Uh, usually they're, they're used to getting up on a, on a big lead on, a, on an opponent. Uh, but they scored 14 in the second, 14 in the third, and 14 in the fourth uh, to pick up the win. Eric Levante uh, led a balanced rushing attack. The uh, the Titans uh, this time only had 268 yards on the ground, but uh, Levante led the way uh, with, I believe, 87 yards. When I talked to head coach uh, Tim War about it, he was kind of saying that his team is so even keel that it's tough to read his players sometimes, uh, but they were... Uh, they were showing some emotion after this win, uh, especially locking things up uh, in the Big North Conference. So it was uh, it was nice to see them uh, pull out that victory against Gaylord. James, there was also Traverse City St. Francis, which we touched on a little bit earlier. They also moved to 8-0 with a win tonight over Kalkaska. Yeah, they won uh, 47-0, um, which, which just on the surface looks pretty good. 
I mean, 47 to nothing. But uh, Josh Sellers, when I talked to him, uh, wasn't incredibly happy with their performance, especially in the first half. Um, they were only up 20 to nothing, and uh, and that was only after they went on a 11-play, 97-yard drive to finish the second half with a touchdown. You know, he said that they they started slow once again, which has been their been a habit for them all season, where they've come out against teams where you'd think that they would just step on the the throat early, and uh, and they and they haven't, and uh, that's just been a, a recurring th- theme for them all season. Just as a theme in this podcast is you hitting the table, mm-hmm. so it's perfect. It's just gonna happen. It has to happen every single episode. From here on out, I'm going to call you out on it. That's how. That's the only way you're going to learn, James. One of these days, Brendan's going to bang your head against the table. No, I'll leave that up to you, Brett. You're stronger than me. Uh, yeah, so we had that win. Uh, I'm also, listen, I'm very excited right now. This is what we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about Justin Nicholas and what he did and how I'm taking credit for that as being the bulletin board material for that kid. Uh, we had nominated him for Athlete of the Week. James had nominated him for Athlete of the Week, the uh, quarterback from Grayling, after he had put up a 400-plus yard uh, throwing performance last week and uh, had a touchdown, an 80-yarder on the uh, what first pa- uh, first pass of the game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had uh, also C.L. Kearney from Traverse City Central. Brett put her up, and I put up Cobe Lund, thinking that there was no way that Cobe wouldn't win the Athlete of the Week, but... Apparently, I was outvoted two to one when some sort of democratic process, which I don't agree with. But uh, <laughs> during that time, I may have kind of downplayed slightly uh, Justin Nicholas's performance. Uh, and, uh, well, he showed me tonight that, well, he's good, I think is the best way to put it. He is the newest member of the 600-yard club after throwing for 616 yards and eight touchdowns. I'll say that again. Boom! That, that was loud. So, but I'll say it again. He threw for 616 yards and eight touchdowns in a giant win over Benzie Central, 58-46. to 46. That was, uh, so is, is it okay that I'm taking credit for this as being the bulletin board material, kind of the chip on his shoulder when he went out a he went out there and he's like, that Brendan Queeley guy, he's wrong about me. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to show him. And the big lefty did. The big lefty showed me big time tonight. No credit deserved. Come on. Give me a little bit. Nothing? Maybe just a little bit. He's not a lefty. I thought he was a lefty. No. I have also just been handed a note that he is not left-handed. So, but he is big. Yeah, he's a big pr- guy. He's big for a quarterback. I mean, <laughs> which is why I said he's kind of like the hefty lefty of... The, uh, so it's James' fault that you so made this comparison. I planted the seed. Yes, and that seed grew into something that was wrong. So while Nicholas was doing that, we had other big-time performances, one from the Glen Lake quarterback, Cade Peterson, going a perfect 12 for 12 for 258 yards and three touchdowns in a 49 to nothing win against Mancelona. Sutton's Bay also shut out their opponent, picking up a 53 to nothing win over Forest Area. Lucas Mikesell had 18 carries for 227 yards and three touchdowns. Frankfurt also shut out their opponent, Charlevoix, winning 41 to nothing. Griffin Kelly needed just eight carries to rack up 226 yards on the ground uh, and three touchdowns, uh, two from 62 yards out, another from 59. He also had a 42-yard punt return uh, touchdown. So I think it's probably going 
to be between those three right there with Justin Nicholas, Kate Peterson, and Griffin Kelly for Athlete of the Week next week, although I guess we can't nominate Kate Peterson again since he's already in the hall, so I guess he doesn't need to be in there twice, and he wouldn't. We all know who's going to win right next week. Koblund. Shh, no one knows. Koblund. He had three goals in the game on Monday, so it's he's also going to He's going to get in there. You never know. There could be the, the get-around Hall of Fame uh, electoral college. Yeah. I will say that you you know that Matt Stapleton doesn't care about records because if Griffin Kelly got even an average number of carries throughout this whole season, he probably would have eclipsed 2,000 yards rushing. Well, yeah, if you look at it, Skylar Spangler for Central Lake got 28 carries and he had 154 yards on the ground with those five touchdowns. How much... If if Griffin Kelly got 28 carries in a game, how many yards are we talking? 500? If he got 25 carries every game all season long? I bet he's averaging 300 yards a game. Yeah. Yeah. We continue the theme of shutouts as Bel Air whooped Charlton Heston Academy 67 to nothing. Thomas Harrington, 147 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Johannesburg-Lewiston with a big win, 58-16 over East Jordan. Kevin Geringer, 130 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, and Sheboygan, 44-28 over Kingsley. For Kingsley, Tyler in the zone, 111 yards passing, 93 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns, and one passing touchdown. He also had James Mullen, 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, and a reception for 20 yards and one last chance for Kingsley to get a W on the season next week against Bensie Central. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this wonderful episode of the Get Around After Dark. I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and for my lovely co-hosts, Brett Summers and James Cook, please have a good rest of the weekend, and make sure you check out the latest episode of the Get Around, which will be out Tuesday morning. <laughs>